Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 6, season 21. Well done for getting this far. If you're new to us, welcome, we've missed you. We've only been here five years. There's been plenty of others that have come and gone, and there's plenty of others that are still here. So please, spread the love, spread the word. We need your love. Um, so yeah, we're back this week. We've got Trevor Agnew. I've even said his name right at the beginning. Hello, Trev. Hello, how are you? We're, we're all good, mate. We're all good. We're, 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 we're silly busy. We're, we're, we're grafting away, as we all are, um, in one form or another. So, yeah, we're good. And we've also got the return of Ryan Champion for the whole of this podcast. Hello, Ryan Champion. Yeah, hello. Nice to be back at the top. I know, I know, mate. Sorry, you weren't relegated as such. It was just the way things worked out. Although, dan, 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 we are going to have some new voices coming soon. That's all I'll say. We've also got something else coming soon, which you'll have seen on Twitter, folks. And I'm, I'm assuming if you do listen to the podcast, you do follow us on Twitter as well. We have got a fantastic Kielder competition that's going to be um, being probably eased out over the next three or four episodes. Um, we've got a little competition a bit later on, which we'll talk about later on. But uh, we've got a mega one coming up with Kielder. You've seen what some of the prizes are going to be because I've already put it out on Twitter. But uh, it's going to be great fun. Kielder are absolutely back on form with their competitions. So, uh, yeah, can't wait to be talking about that. Anyway, uh, I haven't not... seen your, your, uh, your prospective entry yet, Tony Simpson, either. Um, no, just... is, that a, is that a metaphor of some sort? Sorry, Rachel. <laughs> I'm very flattered. No, it was just, it was just we, we've seen a little preview of this of this quiz, and I've had a go at it, but uh, I kept it I kept it from you intentionally. So um, you know, well, I think it's about time you had a go behind the scenes as well. And I need to I need to add right. If you're struggling with something on a rally quiz, what hope <laughs> is someone like me got? If you're gonna, yeah, I'm struggling a little bit with that one, and and, and I'm thinking. Ryan, I, 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 I can't even name the first two, let alone. Anyway, that's not, we're teasing here, right? Right. This is going to all come out next week. This week, we've got something a little bit special for them as a one-off. So let's not go too far with that. Anyway, um, where were we? We were talking about, well, obviously, we've got Turkey coming up, boys, but there's been a few things going on in the news. We're going to, we'll, we'll, I suppose, we've not all been on since Estonia. We'll briefly, right, just dip back to Estonia. Obviously, we had... We had Gus on with us last week, and uh, obviously Matt, who was kind of parachuted into Sip with Rory in the in the juniors, um, uh, possibly. Uh, I know we, we always kind of flippantly talk about Finland being the the Grand Prix of the gravel rallies. Uh, Jesus, Estonia didn't look too far behind it, did it? No, it was definitely very quick, wasn't it? Um, yeah, some some very high speed sections, particularly with uh, the the tarmac uh, sections in in between the the forestry as well. So yeah, some really high speed stuff. And actually, you know, we saw uh, a few times tyres delaminating as well, don't we? That's an unusual thing to see. So whether that was because of the high speed nature of the stages, but brilliant to see uh, WRC back on form. Um, I, I don't think there was maybe any big surprise with. Uh, Without Tanak taking the victory at home, um, the first WRC Rally Estonia won by an Estonian, but uh, it was all happening behind him, wasn't it? It 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 was, um, and uh, do you know one of the drivers? Well, there was two drivers that stood out for me, um, and they were both in Toyotas. Um, and for me, I thought Elvin did a really good job. Um, and this, and I'm going to get probably we'll, we'll get panned by a bloke in Australia for for, for me saying this now. I, I appreciate that, Aussie bloke. I'm sorry. Uh, we know what happened coming into it. 
Trev. Uh, obviously, I think it was you that mentioned it a couple of weeks ago as well. Obviously, that that that, that test event that they did. Obviously, Elvin had the off, and it it's not easy coming back, is it, from from, from any accident, let alone a high speed one. Yeah, I think it. it yeah, any high speed accident is going to be tricky when you go to high speed rally straight after it. Uh, I think the, the the difference there is you knew exactly what had happened, and uh, uh, and those are the those are the crashes you don't want to have any. But when the learning, when you know the learning straight away, you can use it and move on. But yeah, I didn't I didn't feel that there's going to be pressure on him to to perform uh, to the highest level to, to try and win the event. But he, he did. You're right. He did a fantastic job. Um, Cali Rovanpera, uh, that was my other was one. There. That was my other one. You stole my other one. That was definitely going to be the but other I one. I thought well. maybe you you'd have went to Takamoto Road yeah, for the first well, day. I, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that was a great performance. Well, Takamoto on the first day was amazing. Yeah. I know. Did you know what? I, and I, I suppose I think probably unfairly, I'm looking at it from the point of view. We know Cali got the minute penalty, and if he wouldn't have got the minute penalty, I think he would have been second. Um, that to me was. You know what? It shouldn't blow my mind. Bearing in mind, we all know where we've got with the journey Cali's gone on and where we're at with him and everything else. But um, I, I think I find it real. It's, it's almost like I find it disconcerting about how cool he is. I keep picking it. You know, you look at the two years we had in the R5 car, and apart from the big accident, the big crash in uh, Argentina, the rest of it, there was one other time he went off, I think, over the two years. But the rest of it, it's like, it's just amazing. So why should he differ because there were rally car with the amount of testing that he's done and his ability? Like We haven't seen anybody at that age with that amount of ability, confidence and everything else going for him. And it's clear he's going to win a rally this year. And with a tire delaminating to spoil his chances in this one, you know, it, it's just one of those circumstances. And I, I don't know, you could argue that it's maybe a Toyota problem, but I doubt it very much. Um, so I, I, you know, I've tipped him a couple of times to the win this year, and I think he had the pace to win that rally. Um, well, you, t- you tipped him for the rally. He was, I he did. was yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm no doubt, no doubt yeah. about tipping him for it because of the amount of pace he's, like, just think of the practice that that man's done on fast roads around Finland or Estonia, wherever they do their testing now, the amount of kilometres he is under his belt in those situations, those circumstances. And it is a little bit different. I did I, mean, I competed in Estonia once, so a bit like Finland without the jumps and the, the moving from crest to crest. Uh, but, yeah, he definitely is some boy. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, we, we, you know, uh, if we're going to doth our caps, of course, um, you know, we had Craig Breen on only a couple of weeks before and um, Craig was on really, really good form, right? Um, and it was only great to hear him on good form, but also you see him then come into a world car. And again, we, we've talked about this before, about drivers that have got bit part programs and coming in. And I think to some degree, um, I, I don't think probably Craig got as much credit to me, certainly, that he probably deserved because it's okay, Sebastian Loeb coming in and having a bit part program because to be fair he's got very little to prove and you could almost say to some degree Danny Sordo's in a similar position it's almost like he's accepted where he is in the scheme of things he's he's got rallies he doesn't like doing he doesn't mind dropping those now and obviously we all know Seb's probably in his in his final year as well and he's got plenty of championships to keep him keep him cozy at home when he's not in a rally car so to me they're on a very different chapter to what Craig is 
Yeah, absolutely. Because Craig, every time he comes out in that car, he, he has to prove himself. He's only got that, you know, that result to uh, to sell himself for for the next few months going forward. I mean, um, Paul Nagel must uh, must have a feeling of deja vu again because he keeps jumping in. Uh, the car with Craig now for these one-off appearances, just as he was with Chris a few years back when uh, when Chris was trying to get that full-time program. And uh, yeah, certainly the pressure's on Craig to perform, and, and what a, an amazing job he did. Um, I think he said it was probably good that everybody had been out of competition for a while, so in some ways that was a little bit of a leveller. But um, he certainly hasn't got the mileage in that car that uh, that his teammates have got. Um, it, it looks like Hyundai have certainly taken a step with the i20, and it, it was the dominant car in, in Estonia that uh, we maybe expected to see that in, in Tanak's hands, but clearly Craig had that pace as well. So, yeah, fantastic performance by him, and you know it looks like he's going to get the nod for Ypres as well. So, again, a, another great opportunity for him to, to show what he can do on a rally he's won before. Absolutely, absolutely. Fast forward now to to this coming weekend gentlemen if we can um it's to me turkey always is is, is to some degree is always stating the bleeding obvious to not to put too fine a point on it because we are now going from right what you and i have just been talking about to incredibly fast and we would now go into turkey trev um which is you know historically now probably going to be one of the slower events in in the calendar yeah, uh, and a car breaker. Yeah. It's both temperature and the roughness of it. Uh, remember, temperature isn't just about uh, slowing a car down. It's all the other components that are going over heat potential as well, suspension, differentials, etc., etc. And Toyota in the past have been unreliable on that event. So, yeah, if it had been a double header, of course, it might have had two bites at the cherry. <laughs> so <laughs> if something goes wrong and Ori on the first day, like it did for Nouvelle in Estonia, then it throws the championship wide open, doesn't it? Um, and, and that's what potentially could happen. Uh, nobody uh, expected the roads in Estonia to rough up the way they were in the second pass, uh, which has been the case in Finland, let's face it, uh, in previous years. Remember, 98 in particular, second pass was really rough, but it's a totally different beast when it comes to Turkey. Uh, and clearly, I, I'm not sure. It's a bit of a lottery as to who's going to be reliable and who's not. Uh, right. I don't know if you, have you ever been out on Turkey? Because I know, obviously, you did a lot of the coverage back in the day as well have you is that an event you've been out to no no it isn't it isn't an event i've been to but like trev says you know it, it uh, it's gonna gonna give a different challenge incredibly rough um you know let's hope uh, we see the fiestas back up there this time around they've, they've been strong there before we know m sport build a reliable car so um uh, it was interesting that uh, we saw Rich Milner come out and said he didn't want to see the, his driver's heads drop again as they had done in Estonia, and, and they certainly seemed to, uh, you know, seem to be a little bit disillusioned by their lack of pace. Well, this is their chance to uh, to prove what they can do on a on a rough, tough rally. Uh, you, you know, we we know it's a rough, tough rally. I suppose uh, the the thing that we're all aware of is that um, we know M Sport are under big pressure. Um, perhaps more pressure than the other two teams because you know they are in, in essence a private supported team um, you know one thing that I think it was Gus that mentioned obviously Gus had another great deal of seat time before Estonia we know um, we know Lappy had done events I think Timu had done something in an R5 is that does that sound right to you? Yeah, they both did the uh, warm-up event in Estonia, didn't they? Yeah, uh, Timo in an R5 car, and then uh, 
EP in a like the earlier yeah. 17 the, spec car as it were yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so you know uh, I wouldn't do you know what somebody asked me about this indirectly um, on, a, on, on on Twitter I got a, a direct message about it and I, I, it was with regards to how much seat time really happened behind the scenes that we don't know about during the kind of the lockdown period. Now, one thing I do know is very little happened up at M Sport, even though they've got their own facility. Um, but we don't know what the others have done. Uh, you know, uh, we, 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 I guess where I'm trying to get to is, could they have been in the car a little bit more, Trev, than, than perhaps uh, we, we realise? Would that have happened, albeit with the way social media is these days? If Finland's not in the World Championship and a fast rally like Estonia is in there, that's the one that you'd put all your money on. The Finns, those two, Temo and and AP, putting in a good result. Now, unfortunately, I haven't been able to watch the rally back, so I don't know what actually happened to those guys. You can educate me on the rally. Was it just pace or, or what was the situation? Is it just the budget isn't there for the development of the car? Because uh, clearly they've got the town to drive on those types of roads. So what, that, what would you say? I tell you what, right? You you answer that, but would you say all of the above what Trev just said? Uh, yeah, there was elements of it. I mean, uh, I think um, I, I think the the drivers felt they were pushing hard, and I mean, we saw. I remember seeing uh, you know Lappy have the the overshoot, and he made a couple of mistakes. He had a spin there on the last day as well. You know, he he was pushing hard, and in the end, dropped behind Sunnenen. But we know, for example, the new engine that was supposed to come is not coming till till Monte Carlo next year. I mean, the engines there ready to go. But as M Sport have said, we've got fresh engines that haven't been used yet and they you know these engines are incredibly expensive they can't afford not to use the brand new engines that are sat there and sacrifice them because they want to run the new engine so they've taken the decision that uh, they won't run that engine spec until next year but you know as we've seen from the, the step from Hyundai um, the other two teams are developing the cars very very quickly uh, again with M Sport they have the new aero package but likewise you know when you when you're talking I'm not sure what it is on a, on a Fiesta, but we're talking £15,000 for a front bumper or something stupid like that. Um, they've got bumpers to use. They're not selling these cars to anybody. Uh, they haven't, well, there's a couple out there, but the, these parts aren't getting consumed elsewhere, so they want to use up what they've got. And I think that's, um, you know, it's a fact of life for M Sport at the minute. They've got to wisely use what they've got, and, and that probably is uh, causing the car to drop behind the other two teams at the minute. To give you an idea, in 2005, the focus that we used on Mark Higgins and I, the rear roof spoiler alone was something like seven grand. Uh, so Christ knows what all the body kit, et cetera, is on that. You, you've got a feel for everybody at M Sport and you think of the roller coaster that those guys have been on over the last two to three years, uh, and trying to do something and persevering with it and trying to keep in there and be competitive. It can't be easy. Do you think um, we are going to come to this any second now? In fact, let's we'll, we'll go into this because we'll come back to our predictions for Ali Turkey very, very shortly. Do you think there's almost an element of treading water then, Trev? I'll come to you because you spoke last uh, with regards to potentially what we're, we're going into with these new hybrids regulations. What are we, what are we going into? Well, and that's where that's where I was going to go, you know, is is because there's, there's this no man's land now, of course, of we were going to go to new regulations. 
you know, it was going to go to the the Puma, the new Puma, the hybrid, and apparently that was going to be the plan, and that's what they're working towards. Now, obviously, there's been a bit of a spanner in the works, to say the least, for across the board from everybody. Um, so I'll, I'll let you take this one, because I know this is something you're quite passionate about as well. I just I just don't get it, Tony, you know, and it's really alarming this week to see David Evans' article. Well, it's not alarming, really. We've known it all along, but to see it actually on paper and a few things. If you haven't seen it, go on Dirtfish. Uh, I think it's the 14th of September, so Monday just gone. The WRC debate leaving teams going around in circles. The impending hybrid introduction remains a contentious issue, and the solution is equally unclear. I just don't get it. Somebody needs to explain all this to me in a really logical, simple way where there's a business case. If they're talking about getting manufacturers involved in the World Championships, let's start off with the two that are there at the minute, uh, plus M Sport, of course. Uh, there is forward involvement in the preparation of the car, and clearly they'll have a contribution, whatever the new regulations are going to be. So let's look at Toyota. Uh, I've told this story before, way back in 2012, when I did a job with Accio Toyota, I managed to get face-to-face with them, one-on-one, just the two of us for 10 minutes. I asked them, are they coming back to rally? In 2012, he said, no, we don't have a car, but when the regulations change, we definitely look at it if we could use our fuel cell hydrogen vehicle. I said, sorry, you need to say that again to me. Yeah, it's, it would be a good way to showcase our technology. And we definitely considered if we were able to use that with the 2017 regulations as it were back then. Okay, great. He then went on to tell me how much fun he was having uh, with Tommy Mackinnon teaching him how to drive rally cars. I didn't realize until that event that he's a complete rally nut. He's got his own rally car. In fact, that week he was taking selected people and teaching them how to drift in his rally car in Templehof Airfield. If you watch Formula E, the last few rounds of it around there, that's the rally nut that Agio Toyota is. The president of his own company, you think you've got a big toy show. Toyota set. His train set is huge, 14th biggest company in the world. So he does what he wants to do. He went to Finland uh, after Tommy Magnus said, I tell you what, you need four-wheel drive experience. Probably got a Subaru platform that was badged up as a Toyota. Next minute they go to the rally in Finland. He gets caught up in all the excitement. Yari Mari Latvill has a conversation about how brilliant Toyota is. All the models that he's got, Celica, etc. Next minute they announce they're going rallying with the Yaris. That is that is Accio Toyota saying, right, we need to get back. This was such a big part of our history. Uh, we're going back rallying. So that's it. Uh, Le Mans, same thing. One manufacturer, they're happy to win Le Mans. And yeah, that's it. You got that manufacturer. As long as he's happy to do it, I think there's no real business case that I can see as to why they rally the are. So this is me personal opinion here. Hyundai, uh, I don't know. Again, I know there's N models out there. Are people buying those? Uh, it's scary to start to see the comments in David's article about maybe the senior ranks within Hyundai starting to see, okay, reckon to be recoiling at the concept of further investment. So there's a couple of things that got, are starting to come through in this current climate. Post-COVID, what's going to happen if Hyundai start to pay people off? We're back to where we were in 2008. So uh, and M Sport, we know what the situation is. We don't have to go into the detail. Are you still with me, guys? Uh, we're, 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 we're still with you. Uh, all the way through that, and yes, obviously you have told parts of it before, and I always love hearing it again anyway, but all the way through that, right, I came to the one conclusion, one very short sentence um, was, in my head, 2017 regulations 
I've basically, it's almost like, I can't try to think of this. There's an analogy that I'm trying to think of, and I'm, I'm not particularly great with analogies at the moment for some reason, but it's almost like rallying's eating itself. So it's come full circle, if you get me meaning. So it's like it's eating its own backside. It's like 2017 regulations could potentially kill the sport. Um, well, I, I think things have to be carefully handled going forwards. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this for a long time and this was this was pre-COVID. We said that these regulations just weren't sustainable because the cars are far too expensive. And uh, don't get me wrong, we've all loved seeing these cars over the last few years. You know, they've brought incredible excitement, amazing performance. Um, but the cars are in some ways just too capable. I mean, I for one can't wait to see them actually have, have reduced air or have reduced suspension travel so that, so that the cars actually look like they're working a bit harder again. And, and the drivers having said that, uh, but they're incredible technology, but they cost an incredible price as well. And two years ago, the world was in a far better place than it is now. Um, were they right two years ago? Who knows? We could discuss that one. But are they right now? No, not not for the World Rally Championship. Costs have to come down. Um, but at the same time, I'm sure if we want to keep manufacturers in there, we've got to be uh, at least be seen to be relevant as well. If, if it's not a relevance to the manufacturers, why would they be there? So um, I don't think we can ignore the, uh, the look at, at hybrid completely, but you know, the, the price, the prices of the cars, the costs just have to come down. Can can I just interject? Can we not look? Um, can we not have a glance? I suppose back to a couple of years ago, of course, when when Will Rallycross made their announcement and how that basically um, changed changed their championship completely to the extent where none of the manufacturers are ready. They all pulled out. Now things are starting to happen at Whale Rally Cross level. But they, they were too late. They were too late making a decision, if you remember, weren't they? You know, they mm. talked about going electric, and if they if they'd said they were going to, they might have even have kept Volkswagen and Peugeot at the time. But they dragged the heels over it, and the manufacturers had gone before they even made a decision. Mm. And that's what we can't afford to happen. And do you feel we're on the cusp of that right now? Um. I don't know if it's that bad just yet, but I think the teams need something to work towards. They need something solid to work towards. Um, and, you know, there's. So, there's so what is that? It's not hybrid. I don't care what anybody says. A box takes an, take an exercise where we can go 10 kilometers on road section with a, with a hybrid system, even an electric turbo. It's ridiculous. Who are you trying to fool? Who are you trying to fool in this day and age where manufacturers have to cut their CO2? We know by the end of this year, the, the, the uh, car park of manufacturers in the EU alone has to be 95 grams and under. Why, why are manufacturers going to produce, like, look at most of them, by 2025, half of their vehicles are going to have a, a socket where you can plug electric into them. They have to do it because of the Paris Agreement. Governments and uh, in the case of the EU, are on to countries. You know, that's part of the whole thing. It's a big package, and it's the right thing to do. 40,000 people in the UK, mostly kids, die through uh, breathing in crap, basically. So something has to be done for future generations. I'm with it. I'm all of that. But we have to be relevant. And what, where's the relevance? What? Why do Audi, BMW, DS, in other words, Citroen, Mercedes, Nissan, Jaguar and Porsche, why do they decide that they're going to go down the Formula E route? What's in it for them? 
Um, you can say that their motorsport program is is electric. Yeah, in cars that don't look like anything they sell. Yeah. If we had electric cars that looked a little bit like the road cars, potentially that's something that would work. Now, before everybody shouts at the radio, we don't have enough electric cars, less than 5% or whatever. I agree, you're right. But just think of what manufacturers want to be doing, or what they want to be seen to be doing, who they want to partner up with, and are they interested in partnering up with a series that's going around the world? The, the big issue I see here is Extreme. So the same guy, Alejandro Agag, who created Formula E, has created Extreme. Look at who's piling into that. Buggies. They're buggies at the end of the day. They were built in two months, by the way, as well. I don't know how much it cost. Uh, but the initial one was built inside two months, so it could debut at Goodwood. Uh, I just don't know who's speaking to these manufacturers. And either the promoter or the FIA, whoever's job it is to have a conversation with car manufacturers, are they going to the people who traditionally were able to engineer some sort of budget, the motorsport people in other words, or are they speaking to the marketing departments and saying, okay, going forward, it's completely changing the way manufacturers work. Gone will be the days where manufacturers will manufacture, sell and service metal. It'll be more a platform where you go on and you pick your manufacturer, you decide how you're going to move from A to B, and you'll have a choice of hiring cars, uh, having functions on demand, having an extra 50, 100 horsepower. All of that's changing, and it's changing quite soon. If we're changing regulations in 2022, it's ludicrous to put an electric motor on that's going to do 10 kilometres in a road section. I just don't get it. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I know somebody needs to explain that to me. If we're trying to pull the wool over people's eyes by doing that, it's who, who came up with that idea? I just don't get it. Okay, listen, this 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 is something that's going to go running, running, running. I'm sure we'll talk about it um, over the coming weeks. But um, if just to kind of just neatly tie it up and put a bow on it in the short term, Trev. Bearing in mind, we know where we are in the world at the moment. We know what potentially we've got with regards to manufacturers, i.e. Ford via M-Sport, obviously Hyundai and Toyota. How do we turn this situation around quickly? Look at, look at those manufacturers in Formula E. Audi, BMW, DS, in other words, Citroën, Mercedes, long time ago, Nissan and Porsche. All the rally programs. So... First and foremost, find out from the manufacturer, proper, do proper research of what a manufacturer will do. So how are they going to promote their brand? Is it brand awareness? Because clearly that's part of it, being associated to electric. Uh, you know, if, if a gag suddenly decides with Extreme E, right, okay, instead of using that particular vehicle, we're going to use electric vehicles. Now, bear in mind, the ID3 Volkswagen, Volkswagen are, are from ID3 coming out of 300 miles range. Uh, the, t- the Porsche Taycan that I've been involved with a lot, 240 miles range, the fastest accelerating car I've ever been, the excitement's incredible. Now, electric cars, we can pipe the sound into it. We've talked about Hayden Patton about that. It's not the immediate future, but it's certainly not going to be hybrid either, I don't think. In the interim, the obvious solution, as we've always said, is uh, Rally 2 car, the old R5 cars, maybe a little bit more kit on it, bigger uh, or restrictor. Uh, right, you... Am I wrong here? I just don't... I, I, well, I think, I think there's an interim because there's no way we're going to get to an all-electric rally car within two years. It's not going to happen. The difference yeah. the difference with Extreme E and even Formula E is they've built an event around what the cars are capable of. Unless we're going to fundamentally change the World Rally Championship, that isn't going to happen. We need cars that can compete 
on the on the events with something similar to the structure that they've got now. Yeah. Um, so, you know. So like don't, sorry, said, just to, just a caveat. Don't get me wrong. Skoda still have to sell Fabias, and they will have to for the foreseeable future. So, if you've got a category where lots of people, like you could have forty or fifty cars trying to get in the top ten, if we go down Rally Two with a little bit more, you think of the Irish people, you think of the UK people, Finns, all the importers, all the private teams, and just think a lot of those seats as well. If they get sponsorship from their own country, will be able to generate more opportunities for young. drivers drivers, etc., in the interim. So I'm talking that could be two to five years. But I think but there's a stepping stone here, and this is where hybrid does come in, because they're developing an off-the-shelf hybrid unit, so that can be a, that can be a plus kit to your R5. It gives yeah, you more okay. power, yeah, it gives it. you electric, yeah. it, it gives some relevance. So to me, a perfect stepping stone, uh, we want a more powerful R5, so use hybrid to do that. It's an off-the-shelf hybrid system. Everybody uses the same one. Put more aero on, a bit more power. That would be my stepping stone to get us to where we need to be. Bigger battery to run a 48-volt system to propel an electric turbo, something along those lines. Um, yeah, okay. I get it. It, it could be something that will definitely work. But seriously, guys, if you think it's just a, a world rally car as we currently have it with an electric motor, and uh, I just don't, I don't get that. But sorry. Well, I think this is going to be something that we're going to be talking about probably this time next year. <laughs> oh, the irony. Um, so, so yes, yeah, that's, so that's the problem as we've just talked about. It, it can't drag its, it can't drag on and drag on and drag on because if it does, that's when we will lose manufacturers and we haven't got many left to lose. So yeah. if we lose the manufacturers, there's always going to be a world championship. No doubt about it in my mind. There's always going to be a world championship. If we lose manufacturers, who do we replace them with? Gambling companies? Energy drink companies? Well, no, because uh, I think we've got a bigger problem, Trev, because if we lose the manufacturers, who's going to develop the cars for them to put their names on? Yeah. That's yeah. A, there's a far then, then it bigger has to problem. be a customer car and the only customer car available is an R5 car. Yeah. Yeah. So folks, if you've got any views on this by the way, studio at absoluterally.co.uk cuz everyone's going to have an opinion on this. So I'm please, sure there'll be a few. <laughs> yeah, please 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 send them in. Um listen, we're we're headlong into our any any other business. Um Trev, have you got any other business or do you just feel like you've just got a whole lot off your chest? <laughs> yeah, I'm exhausted, mate. That's it. You sound like you were to be fair. Have a sit down, brother. I just, I just, um, it, it just frustrates the hell out of me. I'm sorry, and I just, I know it's not an easy job. I know there's plenty of people trying to sort this mess out, but it. I, I just, I, I think what's happening behind the scenes, everybody's got a view, but they're too scared to voice it in case they upset somebody or they're going against the grain, and. I, I just don't want it to implode one day and everything come out and then people said, "Told you so." Um, so that was it. No, okay, fair to uh, Right, you want me to go go next then? Is that is that is that work for you? You can do, yes. Um, just did Trev quick... actually answer whether he had any other business there or not? Or was no, he just I, think it was, I think it was more of a cathartic moment. To be fair, I think it was more. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, just looking at the entry list for for, for 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 Rally Turkey. Obviously, it's a very short entry list as well, which. You know, it's it short. It, they were getting short of pre-COVID anyway. But we talk about you know privateers and things like that. And there's one name that's come back that I've not seen for ages. And it, I, I, I always, I always like it when I see people like this come back because they've done so much for the sport as well. Uh, Nationalitya back in the rally car, uh, Fiesta R5. Um, 
I, 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 I can't even remember the last time I seen him on an entry list. I don't think it was that long ago. I think he did. I think he did something in a polo on ERC last year, maybe Cyprus or something Cyprus like that. Cyprus, probably. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But he's he's on the entry list. Uh, a man that's done a lot for rallying, helped a lot of people. People like Thierry Nouvelle uh, during that M Sport short M Sports day he had. I know he helped quite a lot with that and things like that. So just seeing. Um, good rally people coming back to rally and makes me feel it gives me it just makes me feel a little bit warmer inside all things we've just been talking about seeing people coming back as well who've been really good for the sport um uh, it, it can only be a good thing so uh, welcome back to the wrc albeit probably very briefly nationalitya um ryan champion um your any other business with a plus sign after it <laughs> Um, well, a couple of things. Uh, first one, we've seen rumours of the uh, the Monza Rally finishing the 2020 WRC season. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Um, a, a real showpiece event, if you like, in Italy. It's been won by Valentino Rossi uh, a number of times. Very exciting rally. Doesn't really fit into uh, into what we would think of as a WRC event, but then this season doesn't fit into what we think of as a WRC season. So it'll be interesting to watch that one. Um, but my uh, my other point this week, my other any other business is uh, you've already alluded to this fantastic Kielder competition that's coming up. Um, but we're going to start with uh, with a one off Kielder competition this week. Uh, we have a great guest this week. Um, have you mentioned our guest yet? This I week, haven't. No, you, you, you've got the floor is yours, Ryan Champion. Well, we, we have rallying royalty with us this week because we have the one and only Fabrizia Pons coming up. And fantastic interview with uh, with Fabrizia where she talks uh, all about her career, um, which as some people know will started as a driver uh, before she moved on to, to core driving. And she actually scored world championship points both as a driver and a core driver. Um, and she became the second person only to ever do that. And our quiz question this week sponsored by Kielder, is who was the first person to ever score world championship points as a driver and co-driver? There you go. Right, studio at absoluterally.co.uk. In the subject line, please, because obviously we're going to have other stuff coming in as well. If you could put quiz in there, that would be much appreciated. Um, so, yeah, so Trevor Agnew, uh, go and have a little lie down because I know you're busy. Uh, you've got three minutes to go and compose yourself now, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Trev. Thank you. Uh, So Trevor will be back with us a bit later in the season. uh, But uh, after the break, Ryan and I will be talking, as he said, rally royalty for Britsy Pons. This is Absolute Rally. Absolute Rally continues to be partnered by the Kielder Works team, who remain fully committed to the sport and are pioneers of the latest technology. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for all forms of competitive action. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. And welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally. And we've been blessed with guests over the last few seasons. Uh, and there's some guests we've really wanted to get on and people that we've known that we've wanted to get on that we haven't been able to. Uh, and one of them is, is the lady that's about to join us now. He was a very, very experienced co-driver who has got a tale or two to tell about our own Ryan champion. So welcome <laughs> for the first time for Britsy upon to Absolute Rally. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be with you. <laughs> Great. Mr. Champion, over to you, sir. Yeah, I, I feel like we're joined by rallying royalty today. It feels so, like uh, that. 
Fabrizio, thank you for joining us. It's, it's fantastic to have you on and to, to talk to you about your rallying and about your career. Um, but we're really pleased to have you on because uh, only only a few weeks ago, maybe some of our listeners will know that you, you had a, a nasty incident while testing. And the first question is, how are you? I am quite all right. I mean, uh, the, all the operations they did uh, were fantastic, well done. So I feel well, not yet 100%, but uh, we'll arrive. 100% will be back. And not 100%, but already back in rally cars and, uh, and a very busy current schedule of rallies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, but uh, I did uh, already one event with my normal driver, Lucky, even if you could call him Lucky in the English way. My Italian way is Lucky. And uh, we did Arezzo together. This was three weeks ago and was maybe a little bit too early, but I could not, I couldn't stay home. I really wanted to be there. So um, I went there and uh, we won it. So it was fantastic feeling. Really, the best. <laughs> sure, and and also you you achieved something recently. I know you've wanted to do for for a little while, and that was to uh, to experience a, a current generation of uh, World Rally Car with Thierry Neville. I mean, I experienced something very, very short, unfortunately. Uh, this was about, I don't know, uh, eight, ten Ks with him. That was the first time for me with Thierry first. And uh, on the WRC Plus is the first time. And uh, I didn't want to jump out. I said, okay, I'm perfectly comfortable here. I stay here. But unfortunately, I have I had to leave my seat to Nicholas. So unfortunately, it was like this. Now we'll talk about uh, some of your career in a few minutes. But uh, but again, maybe maybe some people listening won't know that um, I think you're one of only two people to have ever scored world championship points driving and co-driving. And you actually started off as a driver before you ever started co-driving. This is. Absolutely correct. I started in 1976 as a driver because I was coming from five years of motocross. And uh, of course, I started the driving. And this was quite uh, a good career as a driver because uh, the, in two years, I became a um, factory driver Opel Italy, not Opel Germany. But in any case, I was uh, paid to do what I was doing. And uh, is there in 78 that I finished ninth in Sanremo Rally, my home event, World Championship event. And this was a great result for me, for the team, for everybody, even because I was leading group one for uh, uh, two thirds of the rally but then unfortunately stopped training and i ha and uh, okay i i finished second in group n but uh, for me it was a dream so already you had a good driving career so how did the 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 move to core driving come about but the problem was that uh, at the end of 78 uh, i want uh, my dream was 
to find a drive either with a group two or a group four car because of in group one i know i knew where i was how fast or slow i was so i wanted to carry on in my career but uh, i didn't find any what i find was uh, a ritmo uh, from a quattro rombi group two but a ritmo without power steering this was terrible i did the first event with this car in 79 and uh, for me uh, without power steering was really impossible to drive this car and so at the end of the rally i i said bye bye to the team and uh, full stop for me my career was finished there but uh, the next uh, rally was uh, in sicily and Luki, that was in the same team with me, with the Ritmo, um, didn't have the co-driver who got ill just one week before the rally. And Luki knew that I was not driving. So he phoned me and said, come on, do you want to come uh, in Sicilia and co-drive me? And uh, this started. And uh, so I started after the first leg, he asked me, to stay with him all the season and then the next one and uh, then Michelle phoned me. And uh, Michelle phoning you must have been, uh, well, huge at the time, I guess. The, the move not only to uh, the World Championship, but to a full factory program uh, with, a, with a lady driver. I mean, that was, that was a huge step at the time. Yes, it was an unbelievable step was so unbelievable that when she phoned me and that these, in these years they, they were not um, the, the hand phone so she phoned me on my home number and I was eating with my mother I was living with my mother and, uh, and she told me she was phoning me straight and she told me hi Fabrizio, is Michel Mouton speaking? I said yes, okay and I am the Pope and uh, <laughs> yes, uh, do you want to come uh, and uh, do the World Championship with me in Audi? Uh, say for sure. Tomorrow I come. Yes, okay, speak to you tomorrow. Ciao, ciao. And I put the phone down and I said, how stupid is somebody to do something like this? Why? It was not fair. And I carry on eating and I forgot the phone call. But the day after... Carlo Cavicchi, that was an Italian journalist, phoned me and said, Fabrizia, but what are you doing? Why you are not in Ingolstadt? I said, but why I have to be in Ingolstadt? And uh, he explained me that uh, the day before was Michelle phoning me. And uh, everybody was waiting for me, plenty of journalists, because uh, they had to, to announce the team for uh, the lady team for the World Championship. So it was not a joke. So I took first plane uh, to Frankfurt and then I went uh, in, in Ingolstadt. <laughs> so really, you, really like you, thought this. It, you thought it was a joke? A hundred percent for me was a joke. Uh, how, how, why? Uh, how could be a reality? No. And actually, I was wrong. It was, <laughs> it was a reality. And, uh, and obviously, that was a, an incredible period in the history of rallying, you know, with, the, with the Audi being this, this brand new four-wheel drive car, the, the dominant car, and, and I guess an incredibly professional team at the time. 
you know, for those years, for sure, I was a professional team. If you compare with uh, today, uh, there's nothing to see about, but uh, in those years, it was unbelievable professional, and uh, they put a lot of budget uh, to do the World Championship and uh, to develop uh, the new car, and so it was... Uh, was a really fantastic, fantastic period, uh, good events, very long events, and very, very busy period. Yeah, and not just long events, but also a long practice. You know, it really was a, a full-time job to do the, the WRC then at that time. Full, 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 24 hours per day in 365 days a year. Full, 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 full. More full than this was impossible. And, uh, just to, to, uh, to let you understand, uh, in, in, in 82, we won, uh, Acropolis. And, but, uh, during practice, we were unable to finish practice, only passing through the stages once. But the, the last stage in Peloponneso, the last stage of the event, was impossible to practice. So <laughs> we arrived there and we were leading the rally. I said, oh, oh. <laughs> and now, and we had uh, pace notes from the previous year. I say we crossed fingers that the road is still there, that didn't collapse, that more, and we started the last stage of the rally without seeing it. During practice, so yeah, and and difficult to to imagine that happening today. But you know, some some incredible rallies during that time, and and some incredible drivers, both in your team and and in the rival teams, and then obviously the development of Group B as well. Exactly, and uh, they were rallies very, 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 very long. And some of them, for example, like Acropolis, we have to have notes for stages and for road section. This this meant that we were putting the helmet uh, just outside Athens and uh, we had it on all the day plus all the night and then maybe we had a few hours stop and then again the helmet on because um, if you didn't write the pace notes for road sections then you were late in the time control. And in those years, the only crew who finished Acropolis with zero penalty in time controls was us. Wow. Uh, because uh, everybody before was paying in time control, minutes in time control. And then they changed this. Then they changed this. But the last true Acropolis we wanted was like this. For a bit here, can I ask, do you miss the longer events and the, the what you've just been describing where you're doing pace notes for road sections? Do you miss that or do you find it better now when you're doing more modern events? Because there's, 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 there's more focus, I suppose, on the actual competition as opposed to everything else that's going on around with regards to road sections and things. Uh, you know, uh, I... Actually, uh, in 2020, is correct what they are doing. Uh, would be impossible to drive uh, uh, rallies like they were. Impossible, just impossible. 
Okay, if I was in the room with all the bottoms and, and if I could decide in which direction Rallis has to go, uh, maybe I, I, I could change things from the format they have now. But to go back in those years, absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible. Uh, obviously, Michelle has gone in that particular route with the FIA. Is that something you've been tempted to do to try and get involved, perhaps, in in events and rallies, commissions and things like that? Yes and no. I mean, yes, I was in the Michelle Commission female for female drivers for, for five years, but uh, I have the feeling that I love more racing still so much that I, I, I am not ready to stop at all. What I find fascinating about your career, Fabrizio, and, and obviously uh, we, 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 we do the thing that we all do, EWRC, which is our, our best friend, and I had a quick look at that before we started speaking to you. And of course, you're still doing that amazing thing where you're jumping between the old and the new. Okay, the new is R5 cars. Of course, you mentioned sitting with Thierry, but can you even put in comparison now jumping from a Group A Lancia Delta Integrale to getting in an, an R5 Hyundai? Is it even? Is there uh, even a comparison to be had? No, no, there is not comparison at all. I, actually, I love a lot modern cars. And uh, if it was depending on me, I, I, I would prefer to stay on either R5 or w, WRC Plus for sure. But because it's impossible WRC Plus, then R5 car. I like more, they are more sure, much more sure than the old cars. So... Okay, the big accident I had this year was with a modern car, but uh, with a Skoda R5. But uh, if I had the same accident with the Lancia, probably we were not speaking together today. So, better like this. That's a very, very scary thought, and and that's one which is obvious when you when you think about it, just how far we've we've come on. With regards to, to, to technology and developments and things like that, do you still get a buzz with jumping in with perhaps a more inexperienced driver, one that you feel you can maybe even coach a little, bearing in mind your experience? Does, is there still some fun of getting in a car with somebody that perhaps will, would need a little bit more help and a little bit more coaching than an experienced driver? Uh, actually, is uh, what I did uh, last weekend. And uh, I was with a young driver, not so young at all, but uh, younger than Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and this is not so difficult, maybe. But uh, in any case, uh, the age he has the age of my son, so very young and uh, not a lot of experience. And he did a fantastic event. It's not because only because I was with him, but because he's going very fast. And the car, the Polo, is a, a very good R5 car, actually. So everything was new for me. The Polo, uh, Leopoldo, my driver, the team, 
but it's challenging. I liked it a lot. You, you mentioned, obviously, you, you, that was going to a different team. Of course, you, you have gone to a lot of teams. The teams, when you go to them with the experience that you've got, do they have a lot of questions for you? Is it is it kind of like a role reversal now, where perhaps when you were younger and you started out, you perhaps had a lot of questions for them? Is it now when you go to a team, the team think, we, we've got such experience we can tap into, maybe we should be asking air questions. So are they asking you more questions than you ask them now? Uh, again, yes and not. <laughs> because um, now is a long time that I could drive Lucky. I know the car very well. I know the team very well. And for me, is one of the best team I was ever, never, ever in driving for because it's a fantastic team, even if we are driving with uh, um, old cars. But for example, last weekend, uh, I had plenty of, uh, of questions for them, for the team, uh, not about the team, but about the car, because I didn't know the car, because I was co-driving in the Hyundai, I was co-driving in the Skoda, but never in the Polo. And each car has got not huge differences, but some differences. So uh, I had... <laughs> I don't know how many questions for them. They were quite shocked because usually nobody's asking anything. They just jump in and they don't care if they can't, I don't know, set the time or they can't use the trip. They don't bother at all, but I do. So uh, I wanted to know everything. And so I had plenty of questions for them. And then maybe some questions arrived for me. Do you ever take a moment where you look back on you know you you had a wonderful few years of course doing the world rally championship was that always the target for you because obviously you, you talked about starting off being a driver and the phone call out the blue from from michelle was it uh, was it always uh on the radar i want to go and do the world rally championship or did that kind of did you just kind of fall into it uh no it was not my in my radar at all uh my dream my final point was to participate in safari rally. Full stop. Um, I, I never thought to, to drive a f one full season or ten full seasons in the WRC, not at all. But uh, to co-drive in Kenya, this was my in my radar. This was my dream from the beginning, from when from the first day I started, and. Uh, and this happened, actually. It was fantastic. When I landed in Nairobi, I started to cry. Was uh, was the top for me. Wow. I, I find it amazing when you look at the drivers, of course, that you, you have sat with. You, you, you sat, obviously, we've, we've talked about Michelle, uh, who is an icon of, of Group B rallying, but also Ari Vatanen as well. You spent, you know, half a dozen events with, with Ari as well, how was how how Ari to sit with? Because we've heard various tales from, from all these different co-drivers over the years of, 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 you know, some found it hard, some found it easy. How was the, the, the Ari Vatnan experience for you? For me, it was a fantastic experience to co-drive Ari. And again, it happened in a funny way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> everything happened to me, I don't know. But, for example... Uh, how I, I arrived to co-drive him. This was funny again, 
because I was reading in Autosprint that it was and is an Italian uh, magazine and uh, that uh, uh, Aris co-driver was stopping and was stopping his career and said, okay, fantastic. I got to co-drive him, but how <laughs> to get in touch with Ari? This was another story. So um, I don't remember actually how this happened that I wrote him a letter. Um, I wrote him a letter and he answered. <laughs> and, and I was quite shocked. And uh, he answered and he said, okay, Bruno is not stopping yet, but very soon. So when Bruno will stop, I will phone you and we start together. And this wow. is exactly what happened. And I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe once again. Boo, I said, okay. And, and I did two seasons with him. I, I, I wonder the, when was the last time that a co-driver wrote to a driver to ask them for a seat? <laughs> uh, I don't know. But for me, it was only me in the world doing something <laughs> so stupid. So stupid. Only me. Only no, me. well, you got the seat, so it wasn't stupid. It was. It had. Oh, to, no, I mean, yes, uh, but the idea to write a letter, come on. Uh, no, I, I like it. I like it. Don't, please. Uh, I like it. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, and uh, I remember exactly the moment in which I started to put some words, English words, in a white paper. I said, what I write him now? Maybe I don't write him. Or maybe yes. And then I, I wrote a letter. Full stop. And the letter I write to him. Yeah. And, and, and Bruno, after I can't remember how many rallies, one, two, three, ten, I don't know, he stopped. And uh, I went. It's, it's, it's just an amazing story. I just, I would love, if anybody is listening, please let us know the last time you wrote to somebody to get a seat. I think <laughs> I, would, I would really like to know that. This was the first and last time in my life, but uh, yeah. well, I, yeah. I was very, very happy. You, 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 you I suppose, I suppose that uh, you, well, you were already established. So I was just about to say, I suppose that established, but you were, well, were already well established. Um, we talked about teams and uh, you were part of uh, an iconic team for best part of, of three years, of course, which was the Pro Drive team um, in its in its heyday, in, in, in many people's eyes, really, you know, after, you know, obviously Colin won the championship in 95, you were there from 96 onwards. Did it feel, again, did it feel like a special team? Did it feel like a special time? Did, 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 it, did you feel that this was a young team that was on the up? You know, each world championship team uh, maybe in different ways, but they are all fantastic, I mean. And uh, to co-drive in pro-drive, again, was another dream. Uh, was the top for me, for sure. And uh, and then the WRC cars arrived, and, and I was there. It was very, very good and very well organized, and everything was very good. Sorry, Ryan. Go on. Funny again. In any <laughs> case, if I think, if I think, was funny again something in this uh, pro drive because Piero, oh dear, no, this 
No, maybe I don't let you know. Okay. <laughs> no, but very good in product. <laughs> no, it's, it's uh, okay. But the story is like this, that Piero phoned me and if I want to co-drive him and he was already in Indonesia, but I don't know what the story before, but he was in Indonesia without a co-driver. <laughs> and he told me, Fabrizia, uh, can you come to Indonesia? Uh, or the Indonesia? And, uh, say, but, uh, to drive only Indonesia, to drive the season, to drive what? No, no, no. We drive all the WRC and the Asia Pacific Championship. Oh, and I had two small children, eh? This moment. And, uh, I said, come on. First, I have to speak with the team. And then I spoke with the team. And the day after, uh, Piero phoned me, but are you coming? I don't know. I am still speaking with the team. And uh, so uh, Piero had to wait for me in Indonesia for a few days before I took a plane to go there. And uh, <laughs> it, it's quite unbelievable this too, because, um, he, I mean, he was already there. Why his co-driver, previous one, I don't know who he was. Uh, he didn't carry on. I don't know. I don't know the story behind, but the fact that he had to wait for me hmm, five, six days was quite uh, different, at least. Fabrizio, I mean, two of those teams we just talked about, the, the 555 Subaru team and obviously the, the factory Audi team. I mean, looking back in the, the history of rallying, they're two of the, you know, the most iconic teams, iconic periods. Um, do you like to look back on what you've done in the past or, or you said, you, well, I know how competitive you are. I know how much you like Africa still. Is it all just about, you know, what rallies are coming next or, or do you reflect on where you've been and, and what you've done in the past? No, uh, I don't reflect about the past. I always reflect about, about tomorrow. For rallies, for my life, I would not go back one single day of my life. This is sure. Uh, I had a very, very busy life, sometimes not so easy. So uh, I look in front, never behind. Well, well, just to, to go back a little bit, you talked about all those rallies where you're making pace notes, even making pace notes for, for road sections. One rally that was very different for many years was, was the RAC rally. How, how did you find it? I know it was a rally that Michelle enjoyed the challenge of, but how did you find coming to the RAC rally with no pace notes and only the maps? Uh, very, 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 very difficult for me for two main reasons. Because First, because I am blind. I wear glasses and I don't see, uh, okay, with the glasses I see, of course, but uh, I don't see uh, 100% like all the other persons are, first. And second, because usually you arrive to drive in RSC after you drive the English championship uh, without pace notes. So you, you understand the system and then you try to find your own system with your own driver. But, uh, this was not the case for me because I, I, I arrived in RSC, uh, <laughs> without knowing anything. So Arne Ertz helped me a lot, really a lot. And uh, we were for one week in London 
in one hotel with a huge, huge room with huge tables and I saw all those maps, all these things that were, they didn't have sense for me. They were so difficult. But even this, uh, uh, okay, uh, one experienced co-driver in RSC is something. I was something different because I had no experience at all. So the first RSC, I did my, my own experience and I find my own way of working that actually was Arne Ertz's way of work. And then was not easy at all. No, not easy at all. Very, 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 very difficult. <laughs> but, but then, of course, you did a year in the British Championship with Michelle, with, with uh, the quite infamous Steve Bagnall as team manager. How, how was that year in the British Rally Championship? Um, I have only few memories of this. Uh, I, I know that... Uh, I remember Ireland because it was again something completely different. So, but um, we didn't do so much and actually we stopped a lot. <laughs> so it was not the best year of my career for sure. <laughs> I mean, you said you don't look back. You've done many rallies over, over the years. Is it what rallies do stick in your mind? Is it Africa particularly that, that sticks in your memory or is there other rallies that um, that really stand out for you? But first is Africa, is Kenya. I love Kenya and I think you know <laughs> that I love <laughs> Kenya so much. For me, is 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 in my heart. I love Kenya. Uh, for sure, the Kenya, the last Kenya I did uh, in the World Championship was, was uh, with Piero. In this time, we had uh, the helicopter flying on the top of our roof and was guiding us. And was particularly difficult because uh, Piero didn't speak English. Uh, so the voice of John Kennard was coming only to me, not to disturb him. And I was uh, translating what uh, John was saying to him and continuing with face notes. So the story was very difficult, actually. But I loved it. We won a stage and I was happy again. <laughs> to <laughs> win a stage in Kenya and I was very very happy and unfortunately the stage after we broke the engine so okay was the end of it <laughs> and you've, you've had a lot of success over recent years in the European Historic Rally Championship alongside Lucky um, with uh, the Delta Integrale um, I remember you telling me a story when we were in Africa about the first test with this car. Just tell me the first time you got in the Delta, or the first time you saw the Delta. So, um, because I was not uh, following rallies when the Delta appeared, so after Group B cars, I stopped and I got married, I had the child, so my mind was far, far away from rallies, so I didn't buy any newspaper, I was, I am, I was far away from everything. So Luki phoned me to co-drive him on the Delta. 
I didn't know anything about the Delta. Zero, zero, zero. And uh, we had, uh, um, I can't remember, four or five days testing planned in Isola d'Elba. And uh, I, I arrived in the place where I had to be to start testing. Actually, I was testing with Miki Biazion because Gigi was not, uh, was not impossible for him to arrive. And okay, I looked around. I said, okay, but where is the Delta? And they said, ma Fabrizia, but it's there. So come on, can't be the Delta, it's terrible looking. Can't be a relica. No, 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 you are joking to me. Where is the Delta? I said, come on, so, so, here's the Delta. Jump in and drive, and co-drive. And it was terrible. It was going terrible, and uh, was uh, the shape was terrible. And, uh, bah. Okay, I didn't like it from the beginning. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a mystery. It's I, so, so bad car, bad looking car. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, and it is not pushing and it's not turning when you want. And uh, no, it's so not you, my favorite car. You're not, you're not a fan of the Delta. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Well, let me let me ask you a question then, because I'm really conscious of how much time we've taken of yours. But um, what is your favourite then? It's a very lazy question, I know, but you've just told us quite definitively which car you don't like. Which car do you like? But I like. Uh, we have to speak about the different eras. Uh, yeah, different of course. You, you you take us through the eras. That's that, that's good with us. Mm. So, if you speak about the Group B. Uh, okay, the Audi, I liked it, the last one, this one, because it was short, was uh, very powerful and uh, nice car, but still a little bit, a little bit nervous. And uh, so for me, the, the one I like more was the Peugeot, uh, with, uh, with, car I was co-driving Michelle in 86 because I stopped at the end of 85 I got married in January 86 and then Michelle in 86 was co-driving uh, pardon was driving in, in the German championship uh, with a Peugeot car and with Thierry Arriman but Thierry was unable to speak French so when Peugeot uh, asked Michelle to be in Corsica, uh, Michelle phoned me and I didn't want to go because I mean, I was far away from rallies, from everything. And, but at the end, of course, I went and I did, uh, I did practice with a group B, Peugeot, and was like a toy, <laughs> fantastic toy. And uh, I started the Zarelli, and luckily uh, we retired before Henry and Sergio accident, so I was not, I was at the service, but I was not behind them. And, uh, but I remember that after the first stage, the feeling we had was not to have been fast. Uh, because on, how to explain is difficult to explain for me 
the, the quattro you felt the power each single part of your body was feeling the power even the air or the eyes or the hands uh, it was brutal it was very 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 powerful and nervous but the Peugeot the Peugeot no the Peugeot was easy car and when we ended the first stage we had the feeling to have been so slowly so slowly I said oh yo 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 can't be true so um, I don't know what we don't know what to do but actually I can't remember if we did the second or third time and uh, so this um, was I mean if you don't feel when you go fast I thought in my mind this is dangerous because we didn't feel at all to have been so fast and uh, but then we retired and uh, and then the accident happened so in this period for me it's the Peugeot car turbo 16 and uh, then uh, for in the <laughs> then in the period of uh, <laughs> I don't know each car in that Gripe? period uh, 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 no W no Group A but I don't know Uh, I, I don't know, okay. but uh, when, when uh, no, 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 it's not the Delta for sure. No, no, no doubt about it. But um, even if our Delta now is so much better than before, uh, but still is a Delta. So, <laughs> uh, uh, okay. what to do? Okay, well, we'll, we'll the, sh the shape is we'll terrible. Skip, we'll, we'll, we'll skip past. We'll skip, we'll skip past Group A then. So take me to exactly. WRC. Yeah, okay. And WRC, uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't know the other car uh, because the Group B, maybe uh, I know uh, something about the other Group B. But uh, in the WRC, uh, I don't know anything about the others. So I can't judge. For sure it's the Subaru, but uh, I can't judge at all. And uh, then uh, we pass to the modern cars. Uh, I have a very, very, very little experience, but for sure I love WRC Plus. <laughs> This is sure. Okay, okay. Listen, Fabrizio, while Ryan gets over the fact that we've just bypassed Group A um, <laughs> completely, while he, while he consoles himself with that, I will take this time to say thank you so much for your time in joining us this week. It was a pleasure to be with you. For Thank sure. you. A huge pleasure. Thank you, Fabrizio uh, Pons. Thank you so much. Ciao, bye to everybody. <sighs> Thank you so much, folks. We'll be back same time, same place in your podcast hall next week. Absolute Rally. Powered by the Kielder Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week.